Welcome to episode three of the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or camera since the mid-1980s. I've interviewed thousands of people from athletes to zookeepers and everybody in between. But now it's my turn to talk to the people I want to talk to, ask the questions I want to ask. My guest for this episode is Laura Lee Turner, a former Miss Arkansas first runner-up, a former Miss Arkansas Outstanding Teen, and a Broadway star. You'll get to meet her right after this. Not all of my podcast episodes will feature Arkansans, so when it does, I'm really proud to talk about the Arkansas companies who support the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. One of those names is Brandy Harp with John Underhill Real Estate. John Underhill Real Estate is a boutique real estate agency. That means really they think about a boutique you might shop You know, they spend a lot of time with you. They uh, get to know you very well. You're not just a customer or client. You end up being a friend. And that's what I've seen happen to Brandy Harp at John Underhill so many times. She's working with friends of mine right now with a real unique home. And my friend said this is the first time they've really gotten attention on the home because of the way Brandy can market it. Brandy Harp is a marketing genius, having been with member Altel Mobile. She was with them years ago and really it taught her so much about the trade of marketing. And a good real estate agent is a good marketer. Find out more by going to my website for more information about Brandy Harp at John Underhill, LisaFisherSaid.com. If we are talking all things Arkansas today, I need to recognize the folks who have cleaned my home in Arkansas for almost 12 years now. Every other Tuesday, that is Molly Made of Greater Little Rock. There's an office in Northwest Arkansas as well. This is the franchise that's been recognized as number one franchisee in the country for Molly Made. Y'all, they're incredible. It's the cleanest clean you'll ever get. They come in in gloves and masks. They've got all the cleaning supplies that kill the COVID virus. They're the people you want to call. Find out more, mollymade.com. Last Arkansas name to talk with you about today, and that is Richard Harp with Richard Harp Homes, supporters of the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. Richard Harp is the one who can come in and build your home from the ground up. Or maybe you just want to remodel. A lot of people are doing that. That was one thing the pandemic has definitely done with so many of us. We've walked in our closets and said, all right, this is so 1980s. Or your kitchen that is so 1990s and you want something updated. Richard Harp's phone has been ringing off the hook. You might want to call him too because kind of look around. If you're home, now if you're driving, just think about it. If you're home, look around, see what you have and think, what can we do to tweak things around here? Richard Harp Homes can help you. He'll come in and he'll work with you. And his goal is to even get you under budget. He knows the dollar. Finance major, MBA, dad was an engineer. The combination, his brain works very well. It's very efficient and you'll love working with him. He and his staff, extremely professional. Find out more, lisafishersaid.com. You'll see the banner ad. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Hey everybody, I'm here with Arkansas sweetheart, Laura Lee Turner, and I say that affectionately. Laura Lee, you are someone that uh, Arkansans are familiar with. Broadway audiences are familiar with (laughs) and the pageant world. Thank you so much for being here on the Lisa Fisher Said podcast. 
I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Well, I've watched you grow up, and I think a lot of folks in Arkansas have. Um, but let's tell a little bit. Let's give the LLT bio. The LLT bio the of LLT a girl from North bio. Little Rock. My yeah. goodness. Yes. Yeah, so what I you did got? Grow, I grew up here, yep, in North Little Rock, and I ended up at North Little Rock High School. And I say ended up because both my older sisters did not go to North Little Rock High School and um, I'm so glad I did because in high school there uh, was where I found the theater. Truly, I found it there. I'd grown up um, singing and dancing and whatnot, but that's cool, man. That's where I that's where I got into the theater. But back up more than that, my family um, has deep roots um, here in North Little Rock. I, my mom is one of five, and my grandfather, um, Doctor Bob Gosser, was a doctor here in North Little Rock, and I'm just growing up with so many cousins and really, really close to my family. And it's been such a a wonderful place to call home. Um, So just my family here in North Little Rock has been a huge part of um, my bio. But then um, (laughs) North Little Rock High School uh, just really was a a special place to get involved with the theater. And um, I had a teacher, several teachers who invested in me um, academically and then artistically in the theater program with um, Mike Noland and Kristen Pitts. And I'm just so thankful that they were able to say like, I see you, I see this in you and I see a lot of potential and you could do this as a career. And it's hilarious, Lisa, because um, I really loved school and I loved academics. Um, I was in the international baccalaureate program, which I don't know if they have it anymore, but at that time it was it was a prestigious academic program to be in in the high school, and I thought I wanted to go to medical school actually. And really, um, yeah, yeah. And I would say in the pageant world, um, I got involved in that when I was. Here, we'll get to pageants eventually, <laughs> but I'll stay on school. Right. Um, when I, I I was talking about academics. Oh, anyway, right. med school. So I thought I wanted to go to med school up until like. 15 or 16 years old when um, I got really involved in the theater. So it's kind of crazy that I really shifted gears and um, I never went back. Once I kind of looked at Broadway, I thought, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, I love being on stage. I love performing. I love telling stories. I know we share that, Lisa, that mm-hmm, just for sure. hearing people's stories and bringing them to life on stage is um, it's such a gift to be able to do that. And so I, I, I praise God that um, that I get to we, we call it play pretend and um, make a living doing it. Right. You really do. Were, were you like the kid in uh, beaches that was so precocious there on the beach and she was singing and dancing and a mother was the stage mother and everybody gathered around her? Or were you just someone who quietly woke up one day and said, I'm going to be Annie or whoever. I'm going to be whatever the lead is. Yeah, yeah I think that's more me. Um, I've I've always had that that in him. I had like no inhibition to just like go for something, but I haven't been um, the most, I don't know, outgoing child. I'm not sure. Like I, I, I sit back and I think about things and um, yeah, I don't think I would describe myself as like the most outgoing person, but I'm not as scared to, to go for something and to work hard at it. So I think that has just translated really well in pursuing something in the performing arts. Sidebar, Enneagram. Sidebar. Are you a four? Are you a four? Oh, oh my gosh, I'm not, but I get mistaken for it a lot. I'm mm-hmm. actually a one. Okay, rule abider. A rule abider. Yeah, I see yeah. 
everything through the lens of um, just righteousness and goodness and making the world a better place. I'm, I'm, I often just see the best in people when I meet them. Well, we're going to do an entire Enneagram topic for my podcast because it's so really? fascinating. Oh, th- I will listen to that. For those who aren't familiar, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And Go listen it's, to that. Figure it out. Yeah, it's Read amazing. It. Yeah, it's amazing. And um, it's really not a personality profile as much as it is what your fears are and what drives mm-hmm. you to do what you do. So yeah. um, there are different numbers, but um, fours are often artistic and um, contemplative. You know, they might sit and think just a moment. They might overthink. And yeah. so I didn't know a lot of artists do that. You know, artists get mistaken just because I'm in broadcasting. It happens all the time. Artists get mistaken for being extroverts when, in fact, they're the biggest introverts because to them, they're performing for one person, yeah. you know, whoever that is. And now they have no you can have no inhibitions and still be an introvert. And that's yeah. that's probably your template. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, yes. I think when someone explained to me, because I was kind of embarrassed to be an introvert, but when someone explained that it's where you recharge. So if you recharge uh, totally. in isolation, then you're an introvert. And if you if it kind of exhausts you to be in a group of a lot of people, then that also is a cue that you're an introvert. So when that right. clicked, I love my alone time. I love just spending time in God's word and reading books and just quieting myself alone. And then I'm free to go out and and to be the the kind of recharged. So, yeah, right. Recharge, yep. right. Um, and I love Carnegie Hall. It's not big mm. enough. <laughs> I love that about you. Right, I am I am uh, tapping my fingers when people leave, going, "Now who can come over?" You know. Yeah. So it's just God made us all so uniquely for our good and His glory. So that's the neat thing, Amen. and that's really the neat thing about your life. So if you have the science side of the brain and you have the artistic side side of the brain, mm. those are two different sides. So do you still sometimes see things? So if you you see things then through a black and white lens, probably, and yep. you probably have interest in things, maybe let's say, for example, COVID-19, it's kind of on the news everywhere you look. But right. to you, it might be, you might be looking at it as what the facts are saying, what the science says, where I think more, how does it affect me? Because <laughs> it has right. affected it has affected my social life. So what keeps you interested day to day? Because we'll talk about the fact that you're you're a Broadway star for three days, but then COVID hit. So yeah. you're having to do something to bide your time. What are some things you're doing then that your mind loves? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny that I said I wanted to pursue like medical school, but that wouldn't have worked out for me. So I'm really glad that God averted that plan because I don't think I naturally have a sciencey um, a brain. I'm much more of a people person. Mm-hmm. Um and and like a heart, um, getting to the heart of of people and connecting with them on that level is just, um, I think, a gift that God has given me to just be able to sympathize with people and to to want to help them. That's some of my Enneagram one, two, to just like make, um, to bring goodness to the world. And I think in this time of quarantine, it was immediately challenging for me not to um, have something to work towards and to know like, where are we moving? Like what is happening? Um, and as someone who um, just loves the Lord a lot and wants to yield my life and to his will, um, the first question I asked 
myself and ask God uh, with all of this happened when I was brought home from New York City and the life that I thought I had was just kind of ripped out of my hands was, God, you're still moving. What are you doing right now? Like, what has your attention and how can I be a part of it um, even when things look like this? And he pretty quickly was like, oh, okay, you're willing. You said yes. I'll have you. I'll have you do this. Um, and what that's looked like for me is creating an online Bible study community with college girls. And that's kind of where it started. I just thought, you know, we have Zoom. We've all um, experienced Zoom in this season. And uh-huh. I just thought, what would it look like on Saturdays to um, just put out a link and say, I'm doing a Bible study. I'm going to there's a video we're going to watch together and then we're going to get to know one another and do discussion and read our Bibles and grow. Like, let's just keep growing. And I had over, at least I had over 120 girls sign up uh, for the first How did did you get the word out about this? Instagram. We love it. Social media. We we love the gram. Right. Just put a nice old Google form out there and people signed up and it was so encouraging. It was encouraging to me. So are there 120 pixels, pictures on your screen? Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. So we have that many girls. And I'll let you into how we do it. There's this feature on Zoom that you can do breakout sessions. So what happens is one of the leaders, I have friends of mine who are post-college um, who lead small groups. This is how <laughs> articulated this is. And we all get together about an hour before and we talk about the lesson and everything. And then when, when all the girls get on, um, we watch the, the video study together. Um, and then someone breaks us up behind the scenes and we have a group of like 10 girls that we're meeting with individually each week, which makes it more one-on-one. Like you actually are meeting people instead of like, hi, this is 120 people. How am I actually connecting, you know, with a human? So, um, that has just given me so much passion and purpose in this time is just seeing these college girls grow. And, um, I just had an ache for them because I knew that they were probably alone at home with no friends and isolated. And I just remember for me in college, um, community and having other girls that I could grow with, um, was just life-changing for me. So that's been exciting. Don't you hate it for these incoming freshmen? Because we're recording this in September of 2020, yeah. and it could air anytime. Uh, but we were just talking to our friends from Alabama, the University of Alabama, mm-hmm. whose daughter, they'd spent their whole life. Uh, <clears throat> she was a FIMU legacy, pledged FIMU. Her mother and father yeah. both went to Alabama. She's miserable because she's stuck in a dorm yeah, watching her classes. And I'm so glad I graduated. I know. She said, I just want to go home. Why are we spending all this money for yeah. me to be on campus when I'm not doing and I can't. There are no pledge groups there. There's mm-hmm. nothing at the sorority house. And it's just a really difficult time for people with mental health issues. And in fact, people who don't know they have mental health issues might have them there now yeah yes yes so this is you know a really difficult time it really is wherever you are and whoever you are the thing about you lardley i think is interesting and after we had lunch a few months ago i I came home and i told my husband all about you and he said you ought to have her on your podcast i went oh she's more mature than i am i can't i said she's oh my gosh because there's a thing about you that every time i see you everyone who's seen you so for people who are new to the brand of Laura Lee Turner, um, brand. Miss Arkansas first runner up, t- not once but twice, 
um, Miss yes. Arkansas Outstanding Teen, correct? Yes. Wasn't that, that what that's called? Mm-hmm. And then um, a Broadway performer, always a smile on your face. But you have a real serious side to you. You yeah. take things, <laughs> you you take things very serious. Like you hold the world weight on your shoulders. You know, you you not that you feel responsible, not at all, but you like having the responsibility of shepherding people, of Ooh. teaching people. And that's a big responsibility. Hmm. Do you yeah, see you that? Said, I, I hold it on my shoulders and I'm praise God. I don't have to hold the world. on my That's shoulders. right. You no, 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 you don't. But, but, right. you but like, shepherding. Yeah, I, I you do. Like shepherding I, people and that. Yeah. So it take my point is to be what you're 22, 23, just out of college. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I was really frivolous at that time. <laughs> you're not <laughs> fri- you're far from frivolous. Mm-hmm. And that's that is, you know, a wonderful characteristic and a wife, mother, employee. Thank you daughter. I, I asked your mother once, uh, said she, she was easy to raise. And she said, very, very, Aww, you know, you mom. just are somebody who yeah. probably always took your, what you did with your seriously. Yeah. That might be some of my Enneagram one, seeing the, the, the right and wrong and just wanting to do yeah, probably. what's right. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's having two older sisters too, having two people to look up to and um, my mom always did. said she gr- mm-hmm. grew up fast and I think that's true. Also, I've been saying lately and maybe I'll regret saying this, but I think it's true is that I just look up to so many women who are in their forties and I'm sitting here at 24 years old and I'm like, I prime. swear, I think, I think forties are prime. And I don't know how many 24 year olds will say that, that's what I, but I'm like, that's I just can't wait. I cannot yes. wait to get that age. Cause I'm like, y'all have so much wisdom. Like, who cares if you get wrinkles? Like, I, well, we can lived, fix that. You <laughs> so, just lived more life, yeah. you know? That's right. That's right. There are things that any woman in her 40s and 50s will tell you is, I worried way too much about thus and mm. how I don't care. Right. And that's I, that's, that is the theme of the 40-year-old, and I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is. But that's what I'm saying. There aren't many 24-year-olds who look to that as a time where she will relish her age. So many people look at the aging process with fear mm. and, and not just wrinkles, but anything else that society doesn't need them. No, but the society mm. does. I mean, the Bible talks about the older teaching the younger. I mean, mm. we are a, women as we age. There's a verse that says a gray head is a crown of glory. Amen. That's right. Amen. So there are just, yeah, a lot of characteristics of many 24-year-olds who aren't saying that. Well, let's talk about your young life then. When when did you realize that uh, that shuffle ball change was going to do something for shuffle you? Shuffle ball and, change. Oh, you know, my God. Whatever it is. Sachet you know, to the right. <laughs> chasset, pirouette. Um, pirouette. <laughs> you know, I always loved dancing. I mean, I grew up dancing. I went Because you have Car- to be a triple threat to be on Broadway. So it means you have to sing, dan- oh, dance, yeah. and act. Yeah, and it I didn't ever realize that I was doing all of those things as a kid, but I was definitely just so involved in dance and then so involved with music and singing through church and my family is super musical and it just kind of all came together in high school, which I'm glad that I spent all those years falling in love with it because it really paid off having that those skill sets in my in my back pocket when whenever I found the theater um but when did it click? I mean, I don't think 
Yeah, I can't. I can't say like a specific time. I just so there know like like in third grade you went to New York and saw. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I do have Linda. a story. Okay, okay, okay. So actually, I slept through my first Broadway show. That's hilarious because Stop it. <laughs> um, I went to New York with my family and um, we saw The Lion King and Hairspray, and I vividly remember taking a good hard nap after a long day of romping around Manhattan yeah, shopping. Um, mm-hmm. yeah you know it was mm-hmm. hard for a third grader but third I, grader. I, okay. I took um flat Stanley with oh, me to, um, to that Broadway show so that was fun I don't think that's when it clicked that I was gonna be on Broadway but um I saw Peter Pan at North Little Rock High School when I was in fourth grade and I was sitting next to my teacher and I remember leaning over to her and be like being saying it's almost like a vivid picture. You know, those like moments from your childhood that uh-huh. there is like an image that you have with it. And I remember seeing this high schooler flying through the air and Peter Pan on the North Rock stage and leaning over to my teacher and saying, I am going to do that. Like, I'm going to be the lead you really of the did. musical. I did. Okay. And I knew I knew I was going to be the lead of the musical. And I don't know how. But um, yeah, so then. What when I I kept going to New York, I kind of grew up going to New York quite a bit because my dad works quite a bit in New York. So I would visit him and um, visit the city at Christmas time. And we would always see quite a few Broadway shows. And I started falling in love with like the fangirl musical theater Uh um, world of standing at the stage door Uh afterwards and getting my playbill signed by all the actors and getting pictures with them. And that started rolling um, pretty soon in my when I started getting involved in the theater and the show that I saw in New York that what kind of clicked for me was was Newsies um oh yeah I've always loved tap dancing and I love the big old school Broadway musical style the just the sound of it and the big dance numbers and Newsies just has so much of that um and seeing this female lead it's a it's a powerful role that is um the girl in Newsies because she um, she's like one of the only girls in the show around a bunch of guys and she leads this big tap number and you know she has this she's she's in the workforce in this time where like women didn't really do things that were bold and ambitious and um, I loved that about her but then just loved the show so I remember seeing Newsies and being like oh, I just gotta get here like I want to do that. Um, and then got to play Millie in Thoroughly Modern Millie at North wow. Rock High School, which was so fun because wow. she's also a very like, mm-hmm. I'm going to break the boundaries and do something ambitious with her life. And so I think there was always that kind of grit inside of me of like, I want to do something different. Like I want to get out of here. Not that I didn't love home, but like I want to spread my wings and go put these desires and gifts to use. But there are things that um, acting calls for that a girl who's buttoned up like you, because that is you're a person of self-control, of prudence, you know what I mean? That what if they ask you then you're going to have to kiss some man while you're dancing on a high wire, you know, actors look at that and go, all right, I'll do it. You know, you you all do whatever is asked for of you to do. Mm. So do you feel like you're the intrepid actor who looks at it that way? Or there's some things you're like, "Mm, not going to do. I just don't think I'm a slave to it. You know, like it's not, it's not, it doesn't define me. Like it is, these are my gifts and um, that's what I'm being called to. But I think the Lord will protect me in the in the jobs I get or the jobs that 
um, the closed doors versus the open doors. And I trust that, that he will. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still like who I am in him is more important than something that someone would ask me to do. And I think that's a, that's a hard thing. And you don't find very many people who, who will say that just because career is is so like the thing. They want to sell out. Right. That's exactly right. Now, would you like to act in film? Oh, heck yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's still you. You're an actor at heart. No matter what you do, you're yeah, still story, feel like you're stories, you know, I mean, yeah. I love music and dancing and something about the live theater. Just it's so exhilarating. And that's probably my first love. But I think there are a lot of really good stories being told. Um, and they're just specific, like. What was the film a few years ago about L.A. and they were dancing and L.A. Oh, gosh. Uh, La La Land. La La Land. Yeah. There's a lot of musicals happening. Um, oh, there aren't enough the t- for me. In I would, the TV I would watch film it all the realm. Time. So I hope yeah. that I hope that trend continues. I hope it's not me a too. Trend. I hope that continues. Yeah. But yeah I would too. love to adventure into the into the film world. Now, so when a, a girl has she's on Broadway and she's mm-hmm. spent three days there. Do you do you go into New York um, as a starving artist with an agent, or does an agent then pick you up when you sign with something big like this? And mm. the big like this is Mean Girls. You are Karen in Mean Girls. Mean Girls. That's it. Um, Isn't that crazy? Okay, so getting an agent, finding a job like this is <laughs> it's few and far between. It really is. Right. And but I will also say that um, nope person's path is alike and so you can get an agent in a lot of different ways um for me it was through our senior showcase for my musical theater program i went to oklahoma city university it's um one of the top schools for musical theater in the country and um they produce a lot of talent from the school um kristen chenoweth and kelly o'hara went to wow if you're familiar with them went to uh-huh. um, oklahoma city university and so I just, I had really great training there and was a part of their showcase where they took us to New York and let us perform individually as a group for um, a showcase, which means agents are coming to the showcase and they're looking for new talent. So it's a a recruiting method for them to um, find people to sign. And luckily I did, um, I did have several interviews from our showcase, which was a blessing and signed with um, the agents at Hardin Curtis, Hardin Curtis, Kirsten Riley, HCKR. They're awesome. And so, yeah, I had an agent as I moved to the city, which um, was really awesome because they were getting me auditions and auditions are where um, you're trying to get in New York City because that means you're in the room and you're performing for casting directors who are giving jobs you know uh so i did that for six months before mean girls i was nannying and babysitting for moms um that i'd met through my church and uh through a a couple of moms actually in the in the apartment complex that i was living in and was just kind of doing the grind i was waking up really early in the morning i was going to some um some open call auditions to some um specific appointment auditions that my agents were getting me in just trying to get in the room as much as I could. And it was in February when I got, 
I was headed back actually from Arkansas. I'd come home to see my niece, Opal. Um, she had just been born and I was on my way back to New York City and I got an email that I had an audition for Karen, the re- first replacement in the Broadway production of Mean Girls. Um, and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> did I mean, did you breathe into a paper bag or did you fall over or did you call your mother? Like, what's the first thing you do when you see that on your phone? I think I prayed, honestly. I think that's the first thing I said. I was like, I was like, (laughs) God, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And okay, well, we have three days to prepare this. Like, let's let's get to going. So, um, yeah, with New York auditions, they just move really fast and you get sent. Why is that? When did they know the existing Karen was going to exit stage right and, you yeah, know, um, about then. And then they said, all right, we need somebody new. You know, I'm not really sure when uh, when contracts, especially for principal roles in Broadway shows, they usually, um, I think, are like either a year or two years. And so a once your contract's time. over. time. Oh, yeah. You, once your contract's over, you can, um, a variety of things can happen. You can be asked to resign or or that's just when your contract ends some some shows have different reasons for why um they bring bring on new people but yeah her contract was ending and i think they had um they had been looking for the karen um the replacement so i'm not quite sure what all went into that but i just know that i was in the audition that was um the one that led to the job so it was it was crazy. And tell me the process. How many days did it take? And, yeah, yeah. you know, okay, how did so, you prepare? How do you how do you cram for that test? Yeah, I think that's when your training comes in handy. Um, just knowing how to read music and to look at a piece of music and to approach it um, intellectually first and to say, like, what's the composer doing here? And what um, what are they expecting? And um, just trying to kind of get in their head in that way. So it it happens fast. I mean, just spending a few hours on the music and the sides, memorizing it, learning it well. And then um, I usually call my voice teacher and have a quick lesson with her to kind of check in with things. She gives me some feedback. That all kind of happened. I mean, I had three days to learn it, to put wow. it together and to have it ready to, to take into the audition it- room. So and do you walk in like in a chorus line where you've got your headshot in your hand and your tap shoes and your leotard and, and yeah, you're gonna it's, you're it's, looking for Tina Fey? It's pretty much like that. I mean, you you walk in and you're sitting in a hallway at Telsey and Company with your headshot and your resume and a bunch of girls that look like you because uh-huh. they're casting something specific and they're looking at your headshot and they're seeing this kind of looks like what we're looking for. Let's see if the talent matches up and um, yeah, I got to go in. I actually, the first one was with the casting director and I went in and performed with the casting director. Um, she had me read some more and spent a little more time with me, which is always a good sign. And I left the audition feeling really good about it. It's not really often that, especially in the Graham ones that I leave an audition and I'm like, yes, like nailed it because ones just have an inner critic that is you're hard on yourself yeah it's not very nice so I have to give myself grace a lot but I left and I was like that was good like we vibed and Mm -hmm. you you really do want to vibe with the casting director and have just chemistry with them in there and you know whatever so I left and then um that was on a Monday and then the next day 
I get a call from my agent that I had a callback, and that callback was going to be the next day on Wednesday. And now, had you was... had a callback to Broadway? Had you had you auditioned for Broadway before this uh, came up? Yeah, um, I had been in a couple of callbacks for a few okay. different productions All and right. for a national national tour, um, a couple of national tours. And yeah, those had been closed doors, at least, you know, sometimes you just don't hear back from them, which is hard. Uh-huh. But yeah, I hadn't ha- hadn't gotten those jobs. So um, but this was the first time I was seen for this casting director. Um, so she was wasn't familiar with me, uh, which is kind of fun being f- a fresh new face when casting directors kind of get to know people. Um, pretty Are they well cynical? The like like I'm picturing, is she cynical and has a cigarette no. hanging out of her mouth and she's no. like, okay, all right, not it, not at all. They really are awesome. They are. I think they casting directors. I think love actors like you kind of have to love actors to do that because you're just sitting in a room and seeing actors over and over again all day long. And they realize that what we do is hard and we're coming in there and kind of putting ourselves on the line and put pouring our heart into this audition. And I have always felt respected by them that they know that what we're doing is a grind and they they love that we love it enough to show up and to take time to audition. Okay, so that Wednesday was the final callback. And um, I, so on Tuesday when they called me, they told me that that Wednesday was going to be, I was going to be in the room with um, the Tony Award winning director, Casey Nicola. And he's the director of Mean Girls on Broadway and Tina Fey. Wow. Tina Fey. (laughs) And um, Mary Mitchell Campbell. She's the music director. She's wonderful. Um, The writers. And the lyricist, um, it was it was a full house, and that's always a good sign too, because it means the whole creative team's there and they're ready to, you know, check it out and see like who who's it gonna be. And um, we had a really good time. It was by far the most fun audition experience I've ever had. Well, you had to stretch because Karen is a comedic role. I mean, you you had and you're in front of the funniest person on the planet, Tina Fey. So you you had to go in there and be funny. That's not intimidating, huh? Not intimidating at all. (laughs) Uh, So I was in the hallway, you know, with all these girls, and um, as I was just trying to calm myself down, I just remember saying, like in my head, Tina Fey goes home at night and puts on her pajamas. And I just kept saying that over and over again. And I'm not really sure like where I got that from. But for some reason, it calmed me down to think, okay, she's normal. She came in in her flannel shirt. Uh, I think she was in a flannel shirt. I honestly can't remember. In her cute little beanie. And she's a normal human living here in New York City. And (laughs) that's how that's how I calm myself down. But um, yeah, so it was a it was a comedic role, and that's kind of hard in an audition because oh, I can't you want to make them laugh. Like how awkward if you don't make them laugh. Mm-hmm. So I had um, I had really planned out my audition and was going to make some choices. And when you make choices in comedy, you just are kind of throwing darts, you know, at the dartboard and hoping that they land well. And it was just landing well, and. They were laughing and I just, I was having a good time. They were having a good time. Um, 
And that was kind of that. I went in and they laughed at me and I felt like it was great. And well, it drives out. momentum. You know, it drives it, momentum. It, does. It, it, it makes you you're you're like, I got this. I can do this. Yeah. So I walk out of the room and I'm sitting there like unstrapping my strappy heels as Karen would wear. And the casting director comes back out and she goes, Larley, would you come back in? Um, they want to see a little bit more. And I was like, okay. And she was like, and grab your binder. So in the actor world, we have a binder of music that it's kind of our go-to songs or things that maybe they may might want to see you sing that aren't what you prepared. And so they were like, Laurelie, we just want to see you. Will you sing something, something fun that just showcases yourself? And so immediately I thought of a song that was kind of um, a more contemporary musical theater, which what which is what uh, Mean Girls is. And it's a song actually that I sang in the showcase and it's so fun and sh- shows a lot of my voice. And so I went over to the pianist and I laughed just thinking that I asked this because I was so serious and also very unassuming that it would be funny when I asked. I turned around from the piano as I'm like setting the tempo and I looked at him and I was like, so do you want me to sing this as Laurelie or as Karen? And they just kind of looked at each other and they start laughing. Like they literally didn't respond to me. And they're like, um, and the director, uh, he looks at me and he's like, that is a funny question. And he said, you know, what, La- he was like, <laughs> you, you know, know what- how funny you were. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know what, Laurelie, I'm going to have you do half of it as Laurelie. And half of it as Karen. And how about um, when you decide to be Karen halfway through your song, just turn around and face the back wall. And I was like, I think I said, well, that's a good decision. <laughs> so I just go over and I'm like, okay, this is bait. Like they, they want to see, like, am I going to take him? Am I going to go for it? Like, What's going to happen here? So I just went for it. So much adrenaline rushing through you in that kind of moment. And um, I sing half of the song. And then when I feel like the climax of my 32 bar cut coming, I just open my arms up wide. And the song says, and I'm going to say goodbye and fly into the future. And I just turn around and face the back with my arms open wide. And I just imagine, you know, picture this girl like in this little mini skirt with these strappy heels on just like arms open wide toward the back wall like Karen-esque in in that moment and they just started dying laughing and I turned around and Casey Nicola was like Marley that you taught us something about musical theater today and it was just it was hilarious and I left just you know, if anything happens, that was such a fun time. Like we all had a good time in there. So it was it was a really fun audition experience. I will never, never forget it. It it's feels such like a lifetime life ago. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. Just such affirmation um, in that, you know, because all we can think about is the film, of course, Mean Girls right. in the film yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, the Christmas musical and all that. So you have to play a ditzy girl for this because it's far from who you are. Right. And then she does have comedic lines now. Do, so I guess this was what day was this finally? Wednesday? This is Wednesday. Were, yep. Okay. And then you found out you got it the next yeah, day? So, so Thursday, I don't think I slept or ate for 
48 hours because I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so that went well. So like now what? Does this mean I'm going to be on Broadway? Like, you know, there's all these things going through you. My mom always laughs because she's like, you guys always think it's it's the role when whenever you come out of an audition feeling good. She's like, y'all have so much confidence in yourself, y'all being actors. And I think it's true. When you leave something feeling good, you're like, this is it. But you never know. And you don't know what they need or what they're looking for or if you fit the costume. There's just so many factors that aren't yeah. your talent or mm-hmm. what happened in the audition room that can affect um the, the decision. So I was just kind of waiting around, praying that um, it would go, you know, in my um, in my favor. And that Thursday, I get a call from my agent, and she said, "Laurely, you got the you got the <sighs> thumbs up from the creative team. So they mm. are sending your video to the producers in London, mm. Mm. which was wild." And I got the call that Friday. So I had been babysitting that morning and I was actually on my way to a commercial audition um, downtown and I was on the subway and I had my phone on loud, of course, and I was waiting for my agents to call and I get a call. We're at a subway stop um, from a number in New Jersey and I was like, who in New Jersey is calling me like the yay, I'm getting a phone call, but it wasn't the person that I wanted to hear from. Um, and I pick it up and the, the subway takes off and immediately the, the call drops and I was like, Ugh, okay. So I get to the next stop and I call it back and I'm like, hello. And it was one of my agents and she actually was out of town, but she was calling me because she wanted to tell me the news. I didn't know that. And she's like, Lurley, are you on the subway? Because I guess she could tell my, my phone call dropped and I said, yeah, I am. And she said, you know, you might want to get off. Um, I I just, I, Mean Girls Broadway called uh, me. And so at this point, I'm like running uh, through the subway station, like trying to get to the light and like running up the stairs and pacing around. And she said, and you're going to make your Broadway debut. <laughs> I just, it was wild. And I just Do you start- play that in your head a lot? Like, do you do you play that tape in your head? Because days where you're thinking these are long days of quarantine, I'm mm. on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I don't, honestly. Oh, and I should. and I really should, Lisa. I should. I shouldn't forget it because it was just it was miraculous. Um, I say miraculous because truly it was that um, I will say that I had no no Broadway credits obviously but in college I wasn't really noticed um it was a grind of I wasn't like the lead roles in all of the shows like it was just a lot of years of obscurity and just thinking you know like if I just keep working on this eventually eventually like I'll get a yes I didn't know my first yes would be Broadway (sighs) but um yeah it was it was a hard few years of just like not knowing if I I would make it you know Um, I, the only regional credit that I did, I was non-equity with, which for all you non-theater people, equity is the union by which that you, you become a a professional actor. And I wasn't equity. And the only regional professional show I had done was Memphis at the Arkansas Repertory Theater in 10th grade. So I say all that to say that it's just, it's a miracle that that happened and that it happened in that timing that, 
I got to go on to make my Broadway debut and have three shows before the world literally shut down. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that I got to perform. Like I could have gone into rehearsals and then not even had a, a debut. True. True. And so I got I got that moment, you know, and no one can yeah. take that away from me. And it was it was awesome. It really was. Now, the double name of Laura Lee Turner, Laura Lee, obviously, it's a s- southern uh, mm. thing that we do. Do they call you Laura Turner then when they call for your you name? Know, you know, I think they kind of love it. It it always sparks a, com- a conversation at auditions of like, OK, do you go by Laura or Laura Lee? Um, which I kind of like it. It tears down that that wall and it lets me say like, this is my these are my southern roots. This is this is me, Laura Lee. Um, I actually have several friends in in broad in the Broadway world uh, who have double names. I have a, a Jenna Claire and a Mary Kate. And oh, I are think they southerners? Brings, they are. Yeah, they're there doing you go. things. So yeah. That's cute. Now, you lost your Southern accent. Did you work on that at Oklahoma City University? (laughs) Did your voice coach help you with that? You know, I don't know. I don't know that I ever had. Some of my family has a pretty strong Southern Southern accent. But I don't know if I had a thick one. But I will say, I think studying like classical music and diction and all those things in in college probably really, um, really took away anything that was there. So, yeah, I don't have much of a twang, do I? No. Um, (laughs) I had a voice coach uh, when I first started broadcasting Uh 35 years ago, and she was at UALR. And I remember she would take her fist and pound kind of the uh, top of my abdomen in the middle, and she'd go, use your diaphragm. And she said, if you breathe properly, she said, if you breathe properly, she said, it will help you enunciate better. You know, there were things that she did and she was an actress and like studied under the big ones in Chicago, New York and wherever. You know, I just loved her. But I remember just uh, always hearing that. And she said, if you just breathe. And I don't know if that's just a technique for actors or just people mm. trying to lose their southern accent <laughs> but it worked i mean i i know i've never forgotten her saying mm. that okay let's back up just a little bit so okay. um we skipped the fact i mean gosh the punchline that <laughs> you're uh on mean girls on broadway and you know you audition in front of tina fey but mm-hmm. um you've done a lot of fun things now what mm. made you decide on the pageant world is that a path that many performers like yeah. to use and you you enjoyed the pa- the pageant world because it looks tough I too. Did. Yeah, I think initially. Okay, so my mom and my older sister. I have two older sisters, but my oldest sister Abby, she did um, the Miss Arkansas pageant. My mom did the Miss Arkansas pageant. My and both of my aunts did the Miss Arkansas pageant. Oh so wow! The pageant runs deep in the blood here in the family. And I remember, I think it was when I was like 12 or 13, it was when my sister Abby was competing in Miss Arkansas that I was going and watching her um, compete in the preliminary pageants. And I noticed that's, that was about five years into the teen program. So they had kind of just started the teen program. And I remember asking my mom, like, can I do that? I, I think I would like to do the teen program. And I was kind of just on the cusp of being a teenager. But that I think it came back to just like wanting to be on stage and seeing 
I can do that. Like, I want to get up there mm-hmm. and try to win a pageant, you know? So I didn't realize what all it would entail. But I I did fall in love with um, just being able to perform. And I love the community service aspect of it. Um, I have a cousin who has Down syndrome and just very quickly latched on to um, serving her and the community of kids and adults with special needs. Um, and it taught me just so much about uh, reaching out and education and awareness of a group of people that we don't often um, talk a lot about or necessarily acknowledge. And so it it opened my heart a lot and opened my mind. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for just the years starting in the teen program. And I kept that same platform is what we call them platforms. I kept that same platform through my time in Miss Arkansas and just being able to work with organizations like Special Olympics and then Best Buddies and then carrying that to Oklahoma City and starting a Best Buddies chapter at my university. Um, I think that thread of just service um, was very, very developmental in in those in those years. Um, so the service part I loved and the speaking part, I mean, Going into something where your job is determined by going into a room with a small group of people, sometimes just a few, sitting behind a table and watching you do something, you know, is it's very similar to the interview process in a pageant where you're going in there and you're having to unashamedly own who you are and step into that um, and step into your opinions and your identity with boldness and um, just it takes a fierceness, you know, and it's not for the faint of heart. So I'm glad. I think all of that really, really uh, benefited me in moving to New York and starting uh, to go into auditions because I had had all that experience starting from age 14 when I started the the teen program. And then and did you win? Ar- did you win that first year in Miss, yeah, Miss Arkansas Outstanding Teen? So I competed a year, a year and got four, I can't even, why can't I remember, fourth runner-up? Yeah, fourth runner-up, I think, yes, fourth runner-up. And then the next year I won Miss Arkansas Outstanding Teen. Um, and Did you on. travel? Do you travel with, uh, I want a sash and a crown. Did you travel with the sash and a crown? I did. It was so fun. <sighs> we I got to go to a lot of elementary schools and I was, of course, a full-time student at that time, so um would talk about kids with disabilities and then did a lot with the Miss Arkansas at that time and um, did the parades and it was all a lot of fun. Uh, And then, but I went on to go to Miss America's Outstanding Teen. So the teen program has a Miss America for the teens. And um, I got second runner up there uh, and won a talent award. Wow. So I, I got a lot of scholarships through the team because it really is it really is a scholarship pageant i mean no no oh, yeah. really people don't admit that part but i mean they don't talk about that they talk about the controversies with it but it really is a scholarship pageant and people use the money to further their education well yeah and the miss america organization doesn't even call it a pageant anymore because um they call the miss oh. america co- competition because it's right um, it's so based in in the the scholarships and the leadership um, and that's kind of the core of the organization. So, yeah, I got, I got a lot of scholarships through, um, the Miss America organization, Miss America Outstanding Teen Organization. And then when I went on to, um, compete in Miss Arkansas, that was about halfway, 
into college, I was like, you know, I'll get back involved in this. I think it's a good time. Um, I took quite a hiatus off of pageants between teen and and Miss Arkansas. It was like five or five or so years, maybe more, um, where I just didn't really do pageants and then um, got back involved. And I got first runner up. The Your first, year first time in, first first time to first be time in Miss Arkansas. Yes, Ugh, and Lisa, it was wow. so fun. I actually recently sold my costume, but the performance part is just my favorite, my favorite part. And I got to do a Doris Day rendition wow. of Shake, "Shaking the Blues Away," and it was so in cute. my tap character heels. It was a blast. Um, so cute. So I got to do that, and then came back the next year and got first runner up again. So that first year, you're known as an Alpha Award. Right. Isn't that Alpha Award? Isn't that how Savvy Shields, she was her first time in Miss Arkansas. She won it. You're an Alpha. Yeah. Yeah. So as an Alpha, you got first runner up. So the next year, Mm -hmm. I was cheering for my device watching. And I'll tell you, I was disappointed my girl didn't win. But I sent you a message immediately and said, Mm -hmm. God's in control. And you said, I know that. I mean, you know that. But now that I know that you're the Enneagram one who might have some negative self-talk, you couldn't have been angry at yourself because you were just adorable, so talented. And again, mm. it, without that, you you wouldn't be on Broadway. Yeah. That, yeah. that lasts a lot longer than a one-year sash and a crown. Yeah. And it's crazy because in that moment, I mean, it is so disappointing when things don't go the way that you plan or the way that you want them to. But um, I mean, you and I both know, Lisa, that God says, for I know the plans I have for you, and it's plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And so it's in those times where we don't get a yes. You know, the the yeses are great, and they come in life just because not every door is going to be closed your whole life. And I think it's in the no's that I grow the most. And I just think back to that, that time, and yeah, it was disappointing, but then, you know, I was on to the next thing. I thought, you know, I'm not staying here for a year because I'm not Miss Arkansas. So it's time to go to New York and to start, start fresh. And I'm so immensely grateful for those six months I got in New York before this time. Um, I've met some of the greatest friends through the church I got involved with. I got to experience the city um, just as a fresh out of college actor. And um, like you said, I, I got a Broadway job and that's <sighs> so crazy. God was closing a door yeah. because there was one waiting around the corner. So um, I know that's not everybody's story. And Broadway is just so it, it's it's a small percent that make it to that. Very. And, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm so thankful. And I hope it's encouraging to people who um, maybe are discouraged that they're seeing closed doors to think, this isn't the end of your story. You know, it wasn't the end of mine and um, I'm still not done. You know, this is just the beginning. So I'm excited to see what's what comes. Now, how long is this contract? Let's uh, I guess because of COVID, they put the pause button on contracts. Yeah. OK, so yeah. what what's the, the term of the contract? I don't really know what's going to happen with contracts right now. Um, oh. I think I think we are all I mean, we're still in our contracts, but. Um, mine was a year, so it was a in year March and would end in March. But of course, it didn't. Right. It barely, it barely started. So I'm guessing we pick up where we left off. Um, is three what days it seems in. To be. 
like three days in. So can you, do they own you or can you now audition for a Dove soap commercial or, <laughs> you know, a Sprite commercial? Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. Um, I think we can audition. I'm actually not sure. I'm not positive. Um, I can audition for things if they would, if the contract would like begin and end before I have to go back to Broadway, but it can't conflict oh, with, yeah. with and the Broadway job. And right now, that's saying January. Okay. And let's say we're so, back in January. The theater's dark on Monday, and you do eight shows. Is that right? Eight shows. That's insane. Yeah. Like, what do you, So you have an understudy then? I do have an understudy, but I don't think... I mean, the, all eight shows are mine, unless I'm sick or... Well, it's a planned I mean, like vacation or something. So well, you would get. Yeah, I mean, they allow you to get sick, right? <laughs> they allow you. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wild world of the the couple weeks I was in rehearsals. I was kind of watching them um, do the shuffle ball change that is moving people around in a Broadway cast. <sighs> and what's what's wild is that there are so many people that um, there are swings and people that go on for other tracks. So that means there are people in the show that like have their own track in the ensemble and then they know several other tracks. And so it's constantly moving. Like there's just not a whole lot of nights where it's exactly the same. And so it just takes, it takes so much just monitoring, adjusting and um, doing your part, knowing, knowing where to be at the right time and, it's a lot of talent up there. I was just blown away. Oh, it's insane. You know what surprised me the most about our conversation when we went to lunch was you do your own makeup. Yeah, I do. Got to and do my so, own makeup. They, they taught me. I got to go to the Mac store and have um, a professional teach me what Karen's makeup is the Mac designed store, to be. The one on Times Square? I actually went to the one in, um, in Chelsea. No, not oh. in Chelsea. What's that? cute area with the cobblestone roads in, on mm, um, south of how i'm um, so not soho would it be like the f- soho yes oh, okay it was in soho. soho okay soho. Yeah. yep just south of chelsea um so because they don't you, you think of broadway makeup is the thick you know stage makeup and all that but you're really trying to look like a girl in high school so you don't have lashes probably i mean you might wear mascara yeah, I actually do wear lashes. Um, I wear just so your a eyes little pop. bit. I, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wear some lashes. Um, I get to wear blue eyeliner, which is really fun. Kind of. I hope it, so. It, it barely comes <laughs> off when I when I leave the theater at night. So Kate Rockwell, the Karen before me, said, "You're just gonna have blue eyes for the next year because it's really hard to get this stuff That's off." That's funny. Um, and then like some pink lipstick and some rosy cheeks and mascara and a little bit of eyeshadow and you call it a day awesome now do you love then going to see the young girls who are looking just like you did when you were there you know you know waiting backstage or in the however I, that is done yeah i'm really looking forward to that i didn't really get to experience it because that week was the first week that people were kind of taking covid precautions oh yeah we didn't know what was going to come from was that the first week in march or the second week in march first week in march it was the second week second week okay eighth ninth and we started having company meetings and they were talking about the virus and they stopped the stage door that week so all right i actually never got to go out the stage door and sign autographs and stuff which was 
sad because it's such like a fun thing. Um, but I did get to like walk out on my Broadway debut night and people were standing from afar and um, I got to wow. wave at them and thrilling. it was, it, re- it was really a fun, it was a fun night. So thrilling, I look thrilling. forward to getting back and seeing all the little girls. Okay. And you have your own podcasts and you incorporate Broadway stars <gasps> yes. and those who are uh, believers. Yeah, you know, I didn't talk about this earlier when we talked about what I've been doing in quarantine, but I have been spending so much time on this podcast, and it's called Living in the Light, um, where I bring on, the the vision behind it is I bring on artists and creatives, and we talk about how Jesus has come into their story and taken them from the dark and into his glorious and powerful light, and it's been so encouraging. Um, I'm just excited to continue to interview Broadway people and TV film people. Um, I just interviewed Jenna Claire Mason from um, Broadway's Wicked. She's mm. Glinda. And mm. um, I have several other people lined up for this season that are just artists from lots of different industries and visual artists. And I just love artists. <laughs> I keep saying artists. I know you do. But I know it's because they're storytellers. And I think they bring such yeah. a beautiful perspective to the faith and to this world. So... Well, Laura Lee, I'm sick about it, but we're out of time. We spent oh, three hours at a lunch a few months ago, well, and, I, and we all got tickets on our cars because our parking <laughs> had expired. Yeah, but there's did. so much more I could always talk to you about. So, um, well, um, I will say subscribe to my podcast. It's how people can can find it. Go look it up and, and listen to it. Everybody's listening podcasts right now, but living in the light. I love it. Yes. And I'll put that in the show notes. So awesome. Um, Love you, mean it. So proud of Love you. Love you. You're and awesome. And it's I, just been a joy to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. And just keep living in the light. That's Thanks, what you're Lisa, doing. You too. Laura Lee Turner, everybody. Thanks for spending this time with me. If you would, subscribe to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Tell a friend. And for show notes and more information, go to lisafishersaid.com. Mm-hmm.